0: All right. For our first message today, we have a split sermon from our pianist, uh, Mr. Art Williams, entitled, "App's Aptitude, and Decisions. Mr. Williams. Thank you, Reggie. Seems like we're both running a little behind the clock today. Can't keep my eyes on the right notes, and... I like to open up with a passage from ecclesiastes because it's positive in its negativity but the new testament puts it in proper perspective it says to you young people you who are young be happy while you are young i'm reading this out of the niv and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth follow the ways of your heart in whatever your eyes see but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. So then, vanish away anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. That's what it says. Youth and vigor are meaningless. And he goes on in chapter 12 remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the trouble comes and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, and that's when you get old. And dropping down to verse 7, he says, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. And that was Solomon's perspective. And what changes it all is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gives us the instructions in the New Testament of how he uses the things that we experience in our lives to mold us, the clay, into what he would have us be. And without that, Solomon is correct. It is meaningless. So the greatest purpose that we have is developing and growing into what God would have us become. This message, Apps, Attitude, and Decisions, is about that process. The message is about the utilization of the apps we have available as Christians, and I'm not talking about the apps for cell phones. Apps that the Father and Jesus expect us to use to fulfill our part in meeting their expectations for us. that expectation is striving to become perfect as our Father in heaven, knowing that he is actively creating in us the creature that he wants us to be. And also knowing that this striving isn't about qualifying for eternal life, because eternal life is a gift. The striving to become perfect as your father in heaven is about your reward, your position in the kingdom of God. And while we strive to be perfect, we don't have to be perfect. The requirement to be resurrected is not 100% perfection in compliance with what God is because We would have to be God to get there. It says in Matthew 25, 21, speaking of rewards to his servants, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. He doesn't say you were faithful over 100% of everything and you did great. No, he says, you were faithful over a few things and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The joy of your Lord is to give you the kingdom of God and give you the opportunity to experience eternal life. The apps that I'm referring to are the six attributes we visited and reviewed in our Bible study leading up to Pentecost. Faith, hope, love, patience, power, and wisdom. These are the attributes that we have at our disposal to facilitate us to become the being that God wants us to be. It's the application, the utilization of faith in your daily life. It is the utilization and application of hope. It is the utilization and application of love. It is the utilization and application of patience. It is the utilization and application of power. That the Holy Spirit gives you. It is the utilization and application of wisdom, which comes from the Holy Spirit and from God and also from studying the Proverbs. So, as we bre- begin our journey down the road of life, we may experience many things. We may stop and smell the roses or we may stop and hold our noses. Life has a lot of curves, ups and downs, and a lot of misfortunes to it. Some of those we can handle well and some of these we can't handle so well. As we see in the video going on in the screen right now, the man stops to try to correct one of the problems that he has. The poor guy has a number of issues going on in his life. And so another adventure in this man's life has come to a conclusion, but it could be just the beginning of an experience for him, because if you were to watch the whole movie, it was a borrowed car. So he's going to have to go back and tell the owners that he lost the car. And that illustrates, I think, to a certain degree, our life's journeys. We have ups and downs, we have things that are great and things that are not so great. And in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, Jesus gives us some directives as to how to handle some of the negatives that happen in our lives. One of those negatives would be this poor man going back and telling the owner of the car, "Uh, your car went over the cliff, and the owner says, what are you going to do about it? And then you can get into the debate. Well, did you give me a defective car and the handbrake didn't work? Is that why it went over? Or was it a misapplication by the individual that was driving it? And so you can get into these cantankerous type of situations. He says in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, You've gained a brother. And if that works, it's because of the attitude that's behind the applications, the apps that have already been being done and fulfilled by the individual. The heart, the mind, has already been developed so that this will happen because unity comes through the spirit. And one of the best things to do at that point, and most of us don't do it because we don't feel comfortable with it, is for you and the individual who are at odds over this car going over the cliff is to go into the prayer closet together and pray about it together and look for the unity of resolution of that problem to come from him. But if He will not hear it, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, Tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. So why should we do this? Because, again, through this process, we are molded into what he wants us to become. If the mind of Christ is in us, and it is, we'll see that scripture in a minute, and the spirit of God will be at work and unity comes through the spirit. His concern is how we handle the situation that we're in and not the car. His concern is the process that the owner of that car and the driver of that car are going to go through to resolve the issues. Are they going to hate each other's guts? Are they going to fight and go to fisticuffs? Or are they going to reason together with the wisdom, the power, the faith, hope, love, and patience of the attributes? Will one step up and take accountability and responsibility? This is a spiritual test to see if we will follow Jesus Christ's instructions. This life is about spiritual development and not necessarily being physically made whole. Now, there are some exceptions to that. If we go into, and you might might have a question about this right away, because here I am saying, Jesus is saying, take it to the church. Well, in 1 Corinthians 2.16, the last phrase there says, but we have the mind of Christ. Unequivocally, we already, if you're a spirit begotten Christian having hand laid upon you, then you have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which means use it. Allow it to function. Don't suppress it. What we do can impact the mind of Christ being active in us. And if the person doesn't hear you, Christ said, well, then treat him as a heathen. Well, then you can take him to a court. And you say, well, what about murder? If, if somebody commits murder, do you take that to the church? No, because of what it says in 1 John 3:15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So in case of murder, the church doesn't even get involved. It goes right to the courts. Jesus also said and this is a little bit more difficult to understand in Matthew 5 38 through 45 these are the verses that talk about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and to really understand what Jesus is talking about here one needs to understand something about the culture and the society and the attitudes of the people in that day Jesus does not See, anything about whether the person that's asking for an eye back has a justifiable case, or is this frivolous? Is he just trying to get even right out of the get-go for some reason? Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But this is what he says, starting in 38. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to whom give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's that is one of the most prevalent. Concepts that's even used today and for you young people consider that carefully as you consider what you want to do with your life and the future of your life because we have different paths in our life and we can always change them later but we can cause ourselves griefs if we do not follow some of these instructions that we're going to see here in a a minute where Jesus says And this is the right right thing that we must do in following in our lives, and we choose the path that we want to take. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Well, if anybody's been spending a lot of time listening to news recently, even if you're a Christian, you might start to foster a lot of hate for North Korea. And that hate may even be magnified depending on what your career path is, where you work. When I was working, we made uh, control circuitry for anti-personnel mines, anti. Anti-tank mines, mines that you can send out. They were, I suppose, today you'd call them smart mines. You can lay in a minefield over here, so the so the enemy can't come through. But then you send out a radio signal, blow up the whole minefield, so you can go that way. He thinks because you see, when you put a minefield in, it blocks both ways. That guy can't come in, and you can't go out. But if you make it so you can blow up the whole minefield and go out, you can flank him. He wouldn't even any idea you're going to do that. Those types of careers, you have to be careful that they don't end up developing in you a hate for your enemy and taking you down a path that Jesus would prefer that you did not go. And There's a parallel path, a passage about uh, a person that you have a grievance with in 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8. There any of you having a matter, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church, do any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not the saints? Now there's a question right away here. When Paul wrote this, was he aware of Matthew 538 38 through 45 that we just read about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Continuing in verse 2, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world be judged by you, you are unworthy to judge the smallest matter. We should be developing that wisdom. We should be developing that love. We should be using these apps, the six apps that we went through before Pentecost. Faith, hope, love, patience, power, and wisdom be able to make judgments like these so that when we come before an issue where you borrow somebody's car and the car goes over the cliff and you're at a confrontation with the owner of the car you will have the wisdom and the patience and the power and the insight and also the courage to admit, I never put the handbrake on. And I am accountable and fully responsible. Here's the money for the car. And oh, by the way, I know I hurt your feelings. I know that was the only car you had. Here's an extra for it. Accountability, responsibility, two, two values that are very much lacking in our society today. Most people tend to want to lie or alibi around it and make excuses. God wants us to be stand-up people. Continuing back in verse 3, Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more, then, that pertain to this life? If, then, you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge. He's saying you in the church should have just as much or better wisdom to handle it. And it's better to handle it in the church. Why? Because he is not necessarily concerned about making you whole or making you right physically. He's concerned with the process. The process. And maybe the process that you've got to go through is something that might be less than just going to a court and getting a righteous decision that says you owe him five thousand dollars court dismissed no no he may want to put you through a process to lead you into the, the spiritual development that you need to have and that's why the church is superior to courts because it's working with God to develop you as a spirit being and mold you into what he wants you to become I say this to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. Why not? Why is there not a wise man in Corinth that can make those judgments? Because they weren't applying the apps. The apps that we studied for the last six weeks or so leading up to Pentecost. Faith, hope, love, patience, power, wisdom. But brother goes to the law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. NIV. It is an utter failure. Failure in what? Failure in spiritual development. Failure, again, back to the apps. Failure to apply the, those six apps. Failure to learn how to apply those apps. He goes on, Why do you not rather accept wrong? Instead of going to a court, why don't you rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourself be cheated than do these things to your brothers? You know, you have an issue, like I said earlier, go and pray about it. The first thing you do, you know, because even guilt results in we all say and do things we shouldn't do. Nobody can control the tongue. You open your mouth. You say something you shouldn't have said. And then, you, then laugh, you, you, afterwards, you feel really bad about it. You, oh, that other person hates my guts. Oh, boy, I know he's out to get me now. What are you doing? You're judging your brother. You're out of guilt of what you did. Now you're judging your brother and saying he's going to think bad of you. Meanwhile, your brother goes home, goes in his prayer closet, asks forgiveness, your forgiveness, asks for his own forgiveness, and then he does what God does. You know what God does? He places your sins as far away from the east as is the west. He forgets about it. Usually what we do is we set and we, we rekindle in our mind day after day. You know, and then something comes along and it rekindles again, even after we did forget about it. I think it's a matter of spiritual growth that you can get to the point where you actually can do that, where you can actually totally put it out of your mind. And you approach the person positively, and they, they do the same thing. They go home to their prayer closet, and they pray about it, ask for their repentance and the other person's repentance. They come back together. It's all forgotten and gone. over and done with. He goes into Romans 2. He talks about world judges. Romans 2, 1 through 23. I'm not sure how much of this I'm going to read. I have a few more things to go through yet. Um, He's talking about the uh, worldly judgment and men con- condemning others, while they th- themselves do the same thing. Let's break in. Um, well, let's just start at the beginning here. We'll see how far I go with it. You, therefore, you are in- inexcusable, oh man. Whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And that goes for the worldly court system. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. You listen to these court shows on TV. You can see how they finagle and they turn around stories and concoct stories and try to basically contaminate the truth. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those that practice such things, the things being that you mentioned in the, in the first verse. Do you not think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same thing shall escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise his riches of goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, and not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up yourself for wrath, in the the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patience, continuance, and well-doing, one of our apps there, patience, continuance, and doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. I want to in the last five minutes or so, go through a personal example. Because over the years that I've been in the church, I've known numerous times when um, men or women have gone into business together in the church. And there have been failures and fallouts. And some of them haven't been so pretty. And then there's also been uh, rental agreements where men or women have decided to get an apartment together. And that was my experience. About three years out of college, me and a guy from church decided to rent an apartment that neither one of us could afford. I paid half the rent; he paid half the rent. We both signed the lease. And before we did this, I asked him, "You're not planning to get married or anything, right?" In the next year, he says, "No." And his, and true, he was true about it. His, his girlfriend recently had gone left town and gone off to college. Oh, well, we were living there for about two months, and he started to date this other girl. Two months later, he asks her to marry him. Three months after that, he marries her. Seven to eight months into this lease, he bails out. There I am with an apartment that I can only afford half the amount of the money. So what do I do? Take him to court, right? Wrong. No. No. I prayed about it, and I got a new place to live. The rent was half what I had been paying. There was no security deposit, first or last month's rent. And after working and living there, I'm still working at the same company, but talking with people at work, I found out two guys live very close to me. So I started the carpool them. They were already carpooling, so I carpooled with, pooled with them. Now I only used my car 33% of the time. I reduced my cost of operating my vehicle by 66%. That's not the end of the story. Two months after he got married, he lost his job. There is just. God's justice is supreme because he is working out a bigger plan. A process of molding you into what he wants you to be. And that's much more important than any of the physical activities that we may have going before us. In Proverbs 4, I want to close with this. Verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Continuing in verse 26. Give careful thoughts to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Going over to. Chapter 5, verse 21. For your ways are in full view of the Lord. He's watching what you do, how you do it, how much you follow the instructions of Jesus Christ as you live your life. All of the wisdom that you need to have to go through life doesn't come all at one time. You have to apply yourself for it. A good place to start is in the Proverbs, Uh, and the Psalms and developing trust. Look for opportunities to express your spiritual characteristics and to apply the apps that we went through in the Bible study for the past six weeks. And you'll be well on your way to becoming what God wants you to be.